So, Mark. Yes. Earlier this year, Reese Witherspoon posted on Instagram that there will be a Legally Blonde 3. Yes. Which had me thinking about the broader Legally Blonde universe. The Blondiverse. Exactly, the Blondiverse. So at this point, we've got Legally Blonde, the 2001 film we'll be discussing this week. Yes. Legally Blonde 2. Red, White, and Blonde. Right. The Legally Blonde musical from 2007. Yet another movie we're covering that has been turned into a musical. Oh yeah, we've done quite a few of those. A lot of them. If we count the Ocean's Eleven review from Japan, I am even that one that I can't find video of that. I know. Oh my god. And that then poster. a Legally Blonde three scheduled for release in two years. Yeah. And of course, the one I really want to talk about: Legally Blondes. The TV show, right? It was a direct-to-video movie that was also aired on ABC. Oh, of course. Are you familiar with the premise of this movie? No idea. So, Legally Blondes does not feature Reese Witherspoon. So, it's bad. Oh, boy, is it. (laughs) It is a high school movie. Oh. A fairly boringly plotted high school movie about, like, people get framed for cheating. What's gonna happen? There's drama. School is strict. But the main characters are these two girls, Isabel and Annabelle Woods. Okay. They are Elle Woods' British cousins. Both named Elle Woods. Uh, yes, they are. I had not noticed that. <laughs> and they, for reasons, are moving to California, where they live in Elle's old neighborhood, and they attend her school, and, like, that's a piece of it all. So the legacy of Elle Woods stands? With her British twin cousins. Of course. Do we need to watch this movie? <laughs> I think so. Let's see if we can find it anywhere. It just sounds so awful it was miserably reviewed oh i'm sure I mean, it's 2009 it's the high age of direct-to-video movies but even by then it's like kind of the tail end of it yeah didn't they make even like a mean girls 2 yes they did yeah again with none of the original people uh, i have a feeling this will be very difficult to find i'll look later but i think we need to watch this do we though i don't know i think we should at least give it a chance oh my god the cover says reese witherspoon presents legally blonde well she's a producer on it yeah she's not even the lead producer though how big is her name on the cover um not small (laughs) not huge but not small. like you're supposed to see it you are supposed to see it that's hilarious like they are trying to get reese witherspoon's name associated with it as much as they probably legally can which makes sense because Like, one thing I was thinking watching this movie, it doesn't really have to do with the romance, but could this movie work with anyone else? I mean, probably not. I don't know that this movie works with Reese Witherspoon. I think it does. You seem to be in the vast minority on this one. I am happy to be in the minority on this one, if that's what it takes. We're going to talk about this. I I think this movie thinks that it is better than it is. I think she's On the things that this movie is congratulated for being. I don't know. I think that she is unapologetically her, and I don't think the movie is against her for it. I think the movie laughs at her for a lot of its runtime, and we'll talk about that more. But, I mean, I don't think you can deny that Reese Witherspoon is a good actor in this movie. She's a great actor. Yeah. Uh, I hope she's the president of Harvard Law in the third movie. (laughs) So, the movie originally was not supposed to be set at Harvard. Really? It's based on a novel by Amanda Brown based on her experiences at Stanford Law. So the movie was originally going to be set at Stanford as well, and they wanted to shoot it there. Yeah. And the Stanford administration didn't like the script and said no. So then they shot it instead at a bunch of L.A. schools, USC, UCLA, Caltech. And then they set it, of course, at Harvard. They wound up shooting the last scene, the graduation stuff, at Dulwich College in London because Reese Witherspoon was there shooting 
the importance of being earnest. So there's no scene set, like, actually filmed at Harvard? Nothing was shot at Harvard. Okay, this brings us to another question I wanted to ask. Why do they call it C-U-L-A? I'm sorry, what? Did oh, you not notice movie? this? Yes, in they the call movie, it C-U-L-A. They call it the California University of Los Angeles or I something. I don't know. It's a very strange thing. This movie exists in a weird alternate universe when it could easily just be set in our universe because they named the school she's going to. Yeah. So why the other school be like that? That's what I don't understand is like, I wonder what UCLA's or the whole UC system in general, probably like why they were like California university is fine, but the university of California stay away. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't because get also, it. Like, I don't know what leverage they would have to say that or why they would want to say that because it's side characters going there and like nothing really that bad it's just classic college movie stuff right there's nothing extra bad set there like it is over the top just like all movies set in colleges are like nothing is that nice at any college anywhere this Uh, one perhaps particularly so yeah I will say that they do seem to accurately reflect the amount of people that a college would shove into that house. It's also a sorority house, so it's a little bit different. I do, I watch that opening scene where they're walking through the sorority house and we see all that stuff going on. I have no idea what time of day it is. (laughs) No one does. (laughs) It's bright outside, completely. You've got some people getting ready for what is clearly the evening. You've got an exercise class being run in another part. In a hallway. It looks like a party is happening elsewhere in the house. Yeah. It's just a I feel like an organization that is so dedicated to running very well done social events would have a little bit more specificity in what's going on in their house at a particular time. Also, there's no way they're within fire code. There's too many people in that house. There are too many cooks. If they're all using hair products at the same time to, like, hair appliances, those are so bad for your electricity. Oh, yeah. That house is going up in flames. (laughs) (laughs) I want that to happen. (laughs) I want to watch that. Yeah, just okay. like, it's Legally Blonde 3. Legally Blonde 3. Yeah. Sorority House goes up in flames. Because <laughs> they're breaking fire code. I have not seen Legally Blonde 2, so I can't incorporate any information from that movie. In Legally Blonde 3, um, House goes up in flames, and the university then sues the sorority for violating all of these policies and starting a fire. Yeah. L has to come in and defend these practices in court. As a Harvard law professor, she has to come in and defend, like... Defend these practices of chaos within this house. Yeah, of just blatantly breaking fire code. Exactly. Perfect. Or I think it would be even better if just in the background for some scene, the sorority house is on fire while like Elle and Warner are fighting outside of it. The sorority house just starts smoking in the background. (laughs) That'd be amazing. Unexplained. This is it. All right, Hollywood, call us. <laughs> yeah. We've we have, cracked the we script. We have so many good movie ideas. we cracked the script. Oh, I think we're ready, right? Yeah, let's start it. Welcome to Heart of Podness. I'm Mark and I'm Gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. And this is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories to answer the age-old question. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Or even likable. It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation. We're going to dig in and see what's there. And I've already kind of hinted at this. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I did not love this movie. I think that 
this movie is great. Which seems to be the consensus of a lot of people. Yeah, because even after you were telling me this stuff, I watched it after that, and I still thought it was good. Okay, so this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, This movie, of course, is the 2001 film Legally Blonde, directed by Robert Luketic in his first feature, and starring Reese Witherspoon as a fashion student at CULA. Yep. Who... (laughs) Fashion management or so, something. Something like that. Yeah. Who it's then, not just fashion. She's not into fashion design. Yeah. She's the business side of fashion. Right. Who then goes on to Harvard Law School in her pursuit of her boyfriend, Warner. In an attempt to prove that she's serious enough for him. Exactly. Where she meets Luke Wilson, who I had 100% forgotten was in this movie. What a person. I know. What a guy. To uh, give you some context on where this movie falls in 2001, it comes out in July of that year. Uh, it's a summer release. It actually did really well it had an 18 million dollar budget it finished domestically at 96 million wow so like close to that 100 million mark which is a big deal particularly for a movie led by a woman right that same year it was nominated for the golden globe for musical or comedy alongside a couple of movies that we've already covered on this show really bridget jones's diary shrek and shrek (laughs) nailed it (laughs) the movie was nominated and reese witherspoon was nominated and they wound up losing to moulin rouge and nicole kidman in Moulin Rouge. Yeah, that's fair. Have you seen it? I have not. The fifth movie that was nominated in the category that year was Gusford Park. What? It's a, you know, British thing. I don't know what it is. It's a mystery directed by Robert Altman and starring Bob Balaban and Eileen Atkins, this whole ensemble cast, doing like an Agatha Christie style murder mystery. Oh, that sounds kind of fun. That sounds cool. Yeah. Sounds more fun than this movie. You're wrong. I just, I think that the movie has this reputation of being this movie about a girl who, like, goes out and proves that she can do what she wants to do. And I think the movie believes that by the end of the movie. But I think that it spends most of the movie making fun of her for all the things that everyone else in the movie is making fun of her for. Where they want to depict people who don't approve of Elle, but they also kind of want you to laugh along with it, too, because they're heightening it so much. I mean, I think there's room to make jokes about it, but... It is, like, one thing I noticed watching this is Elle is literally the only nice and sincere person at Harvard. Which, you know, you say, like, they're making fun of her, but they also make her out to be the only good person at Harvard for a long time. So, I don't think you're wrong, but I think that before that, the movie treats her almost entirely as a joke. And even then, they're not treating her as nice for a long time so much as they're treating her as sort of foolish. And it's, like... It is a foolish that is very trusting, but in a lot of ways, I don't think that the movie does respect her intelligence until it decides to have characters respect it as well. I'm not sure, because even, like, her friends, they're making fun of them, yeah, but they also show that, like, her friend learned Korean to talk to her nail person. So, like, even her friends at the sorority are also good people. A lot of it is about women supporting each other, and there's only women supporting each other in this movie. Even Stromwell, who comes across as mean at the beginning it's going like the lucy lou and set it up route where she's like trying to be tough so that she learns even if that's not the most effective way but i don't know because i feel like her friends are super supportive of her no matter what she does and her friends are supportive of her but also lack basic understanding of everything that's going on like in every case it takes people where like people can have different areas of expertise but in a lot of these cases i feel like the movie goes beyond it and presents them as completely oblivious to anything beyond their immediate world i mean that's most of 
people in general. Also, that's every Harvard student, too. All the Harvard students are oblivious to everything outside their immediate world. Like, they're only focused on themselves. They're not focused on meeting other people. They are just there to learn the law. And maybe because society I don't think that's necessarily us... true, because they are engaging with each other. They are making friends with each other. They're just not making friends with Elle. They're yeah. having parties. They're having a social life. They are pushing beyond that. But if you say that, all of the girls at CULA are also making friends and having parties and learning what they're planning to learn i mean maybe i'm maybe i am privileging mentally the focus on law which i think pushes you into looking at a lot of different aspects of the world to me what appears to be in the movie and what i think the movie laughs at staggering ignorance of law school is significant by Elle and by her friends. And I think the movie wants us to laugh at that. I think it's also not just about... That movie isn't just laughing at them for being, like, women. Because her parents, including her dad, are just as oblivious. Right, so for a it's, long time... It's more of a anti-California movie than anything. There's a good chunk of the movie where every person they're presenting it with is being presented as kind of dumb. Yeah. Including Elle, I think. I don't know if she's ever comes across as dumb. I think it's really hard to watch that admission video. And not that the movie wants us to laugh at her intelligence. I think that's also the movie just making a joke. But that's also really early in the movie. So that's when the movie is still laying out to us who this character is. And they're saying, she's a ditz. She doesn't understand what she's getting into. She deserves to be laughed at. But the movie also does a good job setting up that she does deserve to go to Harvard. Like, if she wrote a real essay about the fact that she had a 4.0 GPA, got an almost perfect score, one point away from perfect score on the LSAT, and was president of a sorority, which actually... Like, at a place like Harvard, they're all old white people that were in fraternities and sororities, so they'd be really into that. I think the problem is that this is information that the movie tells us, which is fine. Yeah. But the stuff that they are showing us is the stuff of her being ditzy, being foolish, being worthy of being laughed at. And I think that, to come up with a parallel, we had a conversation about voiceover in Avatar. Yeah. Where we said that it's not as effective because they're just asking us to remember a lot of information, sometimes privileging that memory over the stuff that's being shown to us. And I think that in this movie, for much of the first half of its runtime, they're asking us to believe that Elle is smart because of what we have been told, not because of what they are showing us. They do show that she works hard. Like, with the scenes of her working to study for the LSAT, they're is evidence that she is working hard and she knows what she knows but she doesn't know a lot outside of what she knows i will grant you that there is evidence of that what bums me out about that is in the second half of the movie where the movie decides to start liking l they reveal to us that she was doing all of that during the like big final like sorority fraternity week of the year yeah greek week yeah um setting aside where that falls in terms of the law school application process. Yeah, the movie is very unclear about the whole idea of applying to schools right. or how schools in general seem to work. Setting aside the timeline of it all, the movie doesn't tell us that this is during Greek week, a big deal, especially that she's in the president, until the second half of the movie. Yeah. When it is happening during the movie, we just see that like there's fun stuff happening and she's studying. But there's no reason to think that that fun stuff is any different from any other fun stuff that's going on throughout yeah. the year. And I think that's a mistake on the movie's part because there's no reason to believe that what she's missing out on is particularly special yeah and had the movie shown me that when it was happening i would have been more invested in what's going on yeah that probably would have been a good addition i will agree with you there i just think that you're you're not crediting the movie for the things it does do well like the fact that the movie is about how you can in the end be feminine and successful which there's basically no movies even still i can't think of other movies where that is the main theme where it's saying yeah you can 
make fun of her. She's kind of ditzy, but she doesn't really change who she is. She is still wearing pink in that final courtroom scene and just as effective of a lawyer. And that's a great idea for a movie to be exploring. Yeah. I think the movie undercuts that idea because the movie joins in that mockery. I mean, it's still 2001. It's not like this is an idea that was invented yesterday. Yeah. They could have made that movie. They chose not to. The movie that they did make, to me, suggests that they could have made that movie. They had those ideas. They were willing to commit to a movie about those ideas, but they didn't want to give up making fun of it, too. I don't know. The thing is, also, some of it is just good humor. Like, the I use legal jargon in everyday life, and the I object is still just a funny joke, even if it is not necessarily positive. Or not appropriate for the situation. Yeah. And given the stuff they are telling us about her intelligence, even if she doesn't know that much about the law, she should be smart enough to know that's not appropriate for the situation. Yeah. And I think that, too, is a lot of how the movie makes fun of her, is that she apparently has, for someone who runs a sorority, no understanding of what's appropriate in different kinds of social situations. Yeah. She isn't the best at social grace. No, which is a lot of ways. It is weird. But I think there is a lot of this movie that is just screenwriters trying to be funny. And like they don't have malicious intent. They are just trying to make jokes. And then the jokes might like undercut what they're actually trying to say. Which means they're failures as jokes. uh, Right. Well done comedy. The jokes will serve to advance character and advance themes. And if they're running counter to them, then they're not just not working. They're actually undermining the movie. But I do think that you shouldn't discount this movie entirely, which is what you seem to want to do. Because it's the only movie at the time, especially, that was giving this message at all. So by saying like because they are failing up to a certain point we should just throw away the movie you're also not accepting the fact that it did help a lot of people like people did take away good values from the end of the movie and i'm happy for those people but for me the movie does not succeed in that message because of how aggressively it runs counter to it for much of its runtime and i'm happy that other people are able to take something away but the movie tries to make a turn that to me it doesn't build up enough and i think honestly at this point the best way we're going to be able to talk it through is by talking about points yeah also let's keep in mind that we are two men we are two men but this is also our show yeah and I, I just like you I don't think that means we don't us. get to talk about the no, movie. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like feel free to disagree. Like as a listener, take into account that we are coming at it from a male perspective. Sure. So like yeah, but I do think that we should move into the points. Um. So where are we starting with this one? I guess it's just the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Yeah. So the movie opens with. A woman on a bicycle holding a letter. She bikes up to a sorority house where, as we said, there are way too many things happening. How is there an actual exercise class just in a hallway? That makes Well, you gotta do it there because every other room is busy with a different event. <laughs> that is true. What time of day is it? That is something I did not think about at all. And wow, I just it's like either can't stop ten o'clock about. in the morning or seven PM. Yeah. But no one's, like, there's no one doing anything that would anchor this at a time. Because Elle is getting ready for a date, which is... A dinner date. A dinner date. So I'm guessing it would be late afternoon from that. But there are definitely people just, like, doing morning things. It's very unclear. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone walked out both with, like, eggs and a glass of orange juice. And then someone else walked out with, like, a full turkey. Yeah. At the same time. Um, But yeah, so I feel like they were just like, this is our one real shot at showing the sorority house. So we're going to do everything yeah it's just a slice of the full life full day shoved into one shot of a house like on a navy ship where everyone's on rotation so their days all kind of happen at different times yeah but it's a sorority house yeah maybe they have to everyone is actually does sleep in that house they just have to have it rotating in shifts so legally blonde four 
Blondes at Sea. I would watch that. Oh my god. It's like the, the Sweet Life on Deck. Yep. But all the sorority. Oh my god, the Sweet Life on Deck is a show that happened. Yeah. That's like... I wish they had just done the Sweet Life in space. Just like fully, That's an amazing idea. Fully committed to the age-old trope of, we've run out of ideas, let's put these people slash sharks in space. That's an amazing idea. Did you ever watch Jabberjaw? No. Oh my god, it was just, it was the most blatant Scooby-Doo ripoff because it was the same characters, they just switched the dog for a shark. That's an amazing idea. Yeah. It's called Jabberjaw, I'm and I'm pretty sure they go to space. Good. Just like Josie and the Pussycats went to space. We should all go to space. The Flintstones went to space in the Jetsons, <laughs> which are basically the same, same show. You know who's from space? Who? Howard the Duck. Oh, there it is, folks. <laughs> Duck talk! <laughs> Yay! Um, but yeah, so Elle's getting ready for her date. This woman bikes over, carrying a letter. All of the sorority sisters are signing the letter. It's not a letter, actually. It turns out that it's a card. It's a card, yeah. And it says on it, good luck tonight. Yeah. And Elle and Warner forever. Forever. So this is how we find out from her two closest friends. They're like, he's going to propose tonight. And so she's playing KG, but clearly yeah. she also thinks he's going to He had lunch with tonight. his grandma recently, and they're like, it's to get the ring. Yeah, because you don't FedEx a six carat ring. No, good heavens. It's an ugly ring. Yeah, it's real ugly. It was ugly. Okay, just wanted to make that huge. Yeah, I mean, six carrots is many carrots. Yeah. I I only (laughs) eat about six carrots because I can't handle more than that. The taste gets really bland after that. Not your best joke, Will. Can you imagine (laughs) if it was just like baby carrots sticking (laughs) off of a ring? You look like Wolverine walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's just like six little forks that you have to stick a new carrot on every day because they're constantly falling apart. <laughs> Baby carrots. <laughs> you could snack. Perfect. It's like a ring pop, but healthy. Whole Foods is going to be selling those by next week. <laughs> Where are we? Now I'm completely lost. Oh, so her friends are like, like you're going to get proposed to. When he shows up to pick her up, the entire sorority is there in like a receiving line. It's I. That's so funny. It was hilarious. Yeah. So then she walks down the stairs in a nice dress. They kiss in front of everyone and they all watch. And I was like, oh, it's gross. so uncomfortable. Yeah. And so then they go out to dinner and they go out to dinner and he says he wants to discuss the future. Yeah. And she's like, great, that's what I want too. Marry me! Yep. Um, also, good time to point out that they're seniors in college, which means she's probably 22. Yes. Which just is so young. Yeah, but it's a thing. It's a thing, I understand. But uh, every time, now that I am almost 24 especially, Ugh, when I watch fart. movies where it's like 22-year-olds thinking about this, I'm like, no, but I'm still a child! It's the, the <laughs> thing from Set It Up. We're too young to get married. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they're at dinner. He says he wants to talk about the future, and then, surprise, surprise... He's like, Harvard's going to be different than C-U-L-A. Yeah. Not U-C-L-A. C-U-L-A. C-U-L-A. That's what he says when he gets on his plane. Yeah. C-U-L-A. Going to Harvard. And Kula. Kula. <laughs> I was trying so, to make a Kula joke, but it was not coming. He says it's going to be different, and he needs to be serious. Yeah. And he, so he breaks up with her. Yeah. Because he wants to be a senator by 30. Let's talk about this. Yep. Okay. Will has thoughts. <laughs> so... According to the Constitution of the United States of America, you cannot serve in the U.S. Senate until you are 30 years old. So Warner is saying he needs to break up with L because that is an important piece of him becoming a senator at the youngest age that it is possible to become a senator. In 2001, that would have made him the youngest senator in 30 years because, one, Joseph Biden entered the Senate at the age of 30. Really? Indeed. The youngest senator ever 
was a 28-year-old in the 1830s because those Democratic Republicans were always breaking the law. And the last thing, let's be clear, Warren is a Republican. Oh, for sure. To be a Republican senator at the age of 30, it would make him the youngest Republican senator ever. Wow. I mean, his dad and his grandfather were both senators. True. So he's got the name recognition. So he has the name recognition. But this is an aggressive plan. This is very aggressive. And then as he's breaking up with her, he says, I need to marry a Jackie, not a Marilyn. Yeah. What does that mean? (laughs) He's so rude. Like, she, I think she says, are you breaking up with me because I'm blonde after that line? And it's like kind of implied, yes. Yeah. And he keeps trying to put it off. He's saying, you have no idea the pressure I'm under. It's not like I have a choice here. He's saying, like, this is just how it has to be. I don't want to do it, but that's life. And he continues to call her all the pet names. Which is gross. Yeah. He's Call her Pooh Bear. He's really gross. You get, that, gross dude. you get that from the first time he walks in, because he's wearing sunglasses at night. Like, yeah. they're not trying to But is it night, that. or is it 10 a.m.? It's actually dark outside <laughs> when he walks in. But is it night, or is it 6 a.m. before the sun is risen? <laughs> we don't know. Got up, the girls got up early to exercise. Warner showed up to pick up L. They go to a diner. They get eggs Benedict. <laughs> he breaks up with her. So he, she starts crying very loudly. Everyone's looking at them, but just looking. There's no like murmuring or anything. No, which I thought was a weird, like interesting touch. It's just like they're in a silent restaurant. She's crying, and everyone's just creepily staring. As one does. Yeah. Oh, but I'd immediately be talking about it. Like, there'd be murmuring, because I'd be like, oh, I wonder what's happening. Blah, 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 blah. I would have no idea what's going on, because I am never aware of anyone else and I'm in a restaurant. I mean, if someone's crying that loudly, you'd be aware. That's true. When he says that he needs someone serious, she says, I'm seriously in love with you. Yeah. Isn't that enough? But it is not, because he is a piece of shit. Um, so that's it for point one. She decides that she needs to get into Harvard herself. So that she can chase him. Chase him Go, down, get him back. Prove that she's serious. Yeah. And also be at Harvard to continue getting with her. Right. And so, that's in part because she sees in some, like, fancy rich people magazine that his brother is marrying a lawyer. She's like, ah, oh, Another lawyer key. who's also a Vanderbilt, which I think right. is the more important point. Most definitely. Warner is old money. Newport, Rhode Island. He's the kind of person who would be featured in a Vonnegut story. Yeah. Also, if he's from Newport, Rhode Island. Why is he at Kula? One, why is he at Kula? Two, he wouldn't be able to be a Republican to get elected, but he looks at like one. the time, one. Rhode Island was swingy at the state level. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I don't actually know about the politics of Rhode Island at all. Lincoln Chafee was governor of Rhode Island as a Republican, and then he was governor as an independent, and then he ran for president as a Democrat. Oh my god. Rhode Island. I forgot about Lincoln Chafee. The link. Is he the one that talked about killing people at the debate? I didn't watch those debates. <laughs> he talked about, like, how he killed people in Vietnam. That's and probably it was Jim Webb. Very... Nope, it was Jim Webb. And it was still very off-putting. Yeah. He's ex-Navy. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, speaking of the Navy, subject yeah. of Legally Blonde 4, Four. Blondes at Sea. So she is studying for the LSAT. Jim Webb is going to be in that movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, Actually, first she's really sad, and she throws chocolates at her TV and says, liar! Uh, she's watching a soap opera, and yeah. someone on the soap opera is, like, professing love. Yeah, and so her friends cheer her up by getting their nails done, because this movie posits that every nail technician is a trained therapist so they feel like there are a lot of trades like that in movies like barbers wind up in that role a lot bartenders usually are in that role for sure this movie also had a lot of other tropes like 
how everyone is actually mean yes. in college, which I don't think that would happen at law school. No, where people harsh. are just like actively mean to people. I was just like, what is this world? I mean, it makes sense for the movie, but I see that in a lot of movies where it's like people get bullied in college. And I'm like, there are 40,000 people at this school. Does anyone actually have time for this? No, nobody's got time for that. I know. But yeah, so she studies, she takes the LSAT, she gets a 179. So then she sends that into Harvard. She also sends in a video essay explaining why they should let her in. She talks about how she's the president of her sorority. She has really good grades. She likes to lounge in her pool. Yeah, but don't we all? It was directed by a Coppola. What? I'm sorry, what? That you didn't, you don't remember that? At one point she says, like, I even brought in a Coppola to direct my admissions I totally movie. forgot about that. Um, I watched this movie a couple weeks ago. Because everyone in LA knows each other, clearly, is Ugh, the implication. California. This movie has such a weird California hate. Oh yeah, it does not like California. I think a lot of the jokes are about California too. Like, her dad is such a ridiculous character. I would watch more of her dad. Oh, for sure. I wish he was in it more. The fact that he was holding a martini at her graduation yeah. in this, like, fancy church-like He's like, never hall. seen not holding a martini. Things we can only aspire to. <laughs> but that also means that he, in his coat pocket, must have, like, a specially built pouch for a martini glass. Well, you, you mix it, you pour it into a flask, but you carry the glass with you. Yeah. You get, like, one of those, like, camp cups. How people have, like, collapsible cups for when they're camping. But a collapsible cup in the shape of a disc that pulls up into a martini, <laughs> martini. glass. Then you pour out the flask, you pour the martini in there, you grab an olive out of your pocket, and then you're good to go. I wonder if that exists. I don't want it to sound like I've thought about this because I'm making it up right now. I would legit not be surprised if something like that existed. I'm sure it does. Wow. So anyway, so anyway, L gets into Harvard. Yeah, L gets into Harvard. Ostensibly because we see the admissions committee debating it, and they're clearly kind of weirded out by this video. Yeah. Um, I do like, actually, in some ways, its portrayal of the admissions process, where yeah. the way that admissions works in a lot of these places is there are people whose job is to, like, kind of pitch a person to an admissions committee. And yeah. we see that. We see people making the case for L there. Introducing some of that evidence you brought in, like, she actually has really good grades. She has done a lot of impressive stuff and they wind up letting her in ostensibly just basically be to bring up the number of women in the class yeah which they do need to based off of the shots of the classes yes also are there any people of color in harvard in the movie in the movie in background shots yes there are i paid okay. attention for that yeah yeah this is a very white movie that is a major flaw also of this film it's a very blonde movie it is <laughs> actually there's only two blondes yeah that's true three if you count her friend yeah and of course that's because her twin cousins don't appear in it yeah <laughs> oh my god those twin cousins both isabel named and l, annabelle both named l oh my god but yeah so she's at harvard and that brings this us to point number two point number two harvard as i called it in the notes <laughs> so the first thing in terms of relationship l is in the hallways of class and she sees warner looking at a bulletin board because you know in college we all just look at bulletin boards all the time and he is rightly stunned to see her yeah oh i love she sees him and then she like composes herself and then does the oh warner i didn't see you there <laughs> he is shocked he's like did you come out here to find me and she's like no i go here she is also there to find him i mean yeah but she also does go there both things are true both things are true and so and she immediately tells him that she needs help planning a luau and that this year is gonna be more fun than senior year which is just Oh, poor L. L1! <laughs> Party time! Yeah. She has so so much sadness ahead of her. <laughs> I mean, as the movie shows, but also just as a 1L. And then he's like, how did you get in here? And she's like, oh, like it's hard? Which is probably the most famous line 
I'd say. It's very memed, which is now our society's base for famous lines. Yeah, there was an interesting thing when I watched this. Uh, the person I was watching with, with at the end was like, okay, you don't like it. But like, you get why it's like quoted a lot, which is like, okay, I could see that some stuff would be quotable. But like, I don't know that it's also necessarily the judge of a good, a good movie. No. Like, I was in school in 2007 when everyone was quoting Borat. Oh, God. Remember yeah, that? That's true. Very nice. I don't even know if the movie is super quotable as much as it's just memeable. Like, it is I, very memeable. I would not use this a lot of This movie is like quotes. a GIF collection. Yeah. Well, there is the point where she is trying to stand up in the court and the judge is like, well, you can't oh, serve. Yeah. You're not a judge. And she goes, well, I am legally blonde. And then confetti bursts out of the screen and the judge is like, I'll allow it. And the movie carries on. If only. I would love if there were more confetti cannons in this movie. No, there need to be confetti cannons in movie theaters for whenever there's a title (laughs) drop. Yeah, that's also true. They should be both on screen and in the movie theater. I want like a marching band to walk through a (laughs) scene anytime they have a title drop. Sadly, no title drops in this movie. It's infuriating. This is now two weeks in a row. (laughs) We've watched movies that should have had title drops. This one would have been harder. Skyscraper is obscene that they didn't ever say the word skyscraper we need committees looking into this where is robert (laughs) Mueller on the skyscraper crisis of 2018 i mean the thing is how often do you actually say the word skyscraper versus just calling it a building sometimes more than that movie did more than that movie did i will grant you that but it is infuriating it's like just say it. You don't even have to make it a title drop. It can just be at one point no, you it say the word dramatic. skyscraper. Like one of those myriad news reports we see that could be like, yes, this new skyscraper was built. The tallest skyscraper in the, the skyscraper world. The skyscraper is just about to open to residents. Do they ever say it? No, they do not. <laughs> By the time this episode comes out, the movie's going to be out for three weeks and nobody will be talking about <laughs> no it. No one will care at all. Uh, we watched it yesterday. <laughs> it's very relevant in our Mark's lives. about to leave me for a long time, so we're recording the next month in a week. Oh, yeah. Guys, I'm <laughs> going to China. These are going to get really weird. Um, Where yeah. are we? Oh, so they meet in the hallway. This is when he probably says more shitty things to her, maybe not, and then they decide to meet on the bench after class. Well, she is kind of like, meet me on the bench after class, and then pieces out so that he yeah. can't respond. Right. She's strategizing to spend time with him. She's like, help me plan the luau. Great, we'll do it after class. Bye now. Yep. So she goes to class. It's a bad experience. Holland Taylor is her professor. She's mean. There's a mean girl in class. And then she goes to the benches and cries. Right. And that's where she starts talking to Luke Wilson. Yes. Who I assume has a character name that I never picked up. Emmett. Okay. His name is Emmett. Emmett and L. L and M. Just thought about that. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that was a reason, but... It's weird. I don't know. Um, so he's basically the first person that is nice at Harvard. Notably, not a student, because you can't have a nice student. Yeah, every student is mean. Maybe this is why Stanford didn't want them to shoot it there. Yeah, maybe they read the script. And they were like, our students are not this bad. Yeah, no college's students are this mean. Right. They're too depressed. <laughs> That's not where I was going with that, but okay. I think everyone in college is too depressed in law school to be mean. I think just in life, like, it takes so much energy to be specifically mean to someone. I know. So, yeah. So they talk on the bench. He gives her tips on, like, how to act with certain professors. Yeah, how every professor will like you based on what you do. Right. So he's nice. And then Warner shows up. And she says, bye now to Emmett, essentially. Yep. And Luke Wilson shuffles away with his hair flowing from his center part. Very long. Very center parted. Yeah. That's actually the hairdo that I'm planning to transition to. (laughs) You should not. (laughs) 
I will cut your hair for you if you try that. Will it be like Lindsay Lohan, just cut it straight across? Yep, and it'll look perfect. Um, you can also pierce my ears. <laughs> Remember when Lindsay Lohan gave herself a perfect haircut with one cut of the scissors? So then Warner shows up and she's like, oh, I'm having trouble. There's this other student. She was super mean to me. She's complaining. And then Vivian shows up. Gasp! What a surprise. And then she... And guess what? Clearly puts her hand on the shoulder to show off the ring. She is engaged to Warner. They are engaged. Warner and Elle have been broken up. It's impossible to know for how long because it's impossible to know when the first scene takes place. It seems like it's the end of the school year. It does. But also Elle has time to apply to law school. And maybe Greek week is a like every semester thing. Conceivably. So it's all during first semester? Could be. But impossible to tell. Impossible to tell. I'm assuming it's just for the summer. So he's broken up with Elle for a week and then meets her. Well, no, she's his girlfriend from high school. And then, yeah, meets up with her. And then he explains that when they got together, they used to date at prep school. And it just felt right. They do specify prep school. Prep school is said. And then he says like, oh... Everything just clicked, and now we're engaged, essentially. And it's because she's a brunette, is the implication. Right. She's a brunette, and she only wears turtlenecks. Vivian is never seen not wearing a turtleneck in this movie. Good for her. See, that's another person who knows who she is and lives it <laughs> she as much as she wants. to her luck. Elle gets all this credit for her blonde hair and her pink clothes. Vivian knows her turtleneck life. Oh, I mean, Vivian... At first, she is over-the-top mean, but she, by the end of the movie, is a very sympathetic character. I think Vivian also is a little bit sympathetic earlier when she is ludicrously engaged to this person. But, nonetheless, now his girlfriend, who has previously not shown any interest in the law, shows up clearly to get him back. That is true. There is... A lot of aggression in how Vivian responds to that, but a certain amount of defensiveness is understandable. Oh, it's understandable, but keep in mind, Warner didn't know that Elle was going to be there, so there's no way Vivian would have known who Elle was in the class, and she's still very mean. Right, In class. I can also understand a little bit of that. Again, I think the aggression is too far. Yeah. But kind of like, what are you doing? You clearly have no idea what's going on. As somebody who has been in many classes and seen students wind up kind of dominating things with their lack of understanding of what's going on, I can understand the frustration that can come there. Yeah. Also, I've never done the reading that was assigned to me before the first class. I don't think I've ever actually, like, come to the class having read the first assignment on the first day you're a bad person i sympathize with l well you never get to it and like it's always the professor literally reading the syllabus word for word and then that takes up half of the class and then the rest of the half is just some bogus lecture and then they're like make sure you've read the reading by next class every time it is a learned habit that's not what happened in this class no it is not because professor holland taylor is very mean she's determined to make sure you recall what was written in the reading yes which I don't remember any of the law stuff they talk about in this movie. No, they say a lot of legal words. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a good choice for law school and med school both in terms of grad schools because you could just use so much stuff and no one will understand I'm what you're I'm pretty saying. sure it all made sense. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm guessing it all made sense. It would be dumb not to because I'm sure the movie has lawyers on retainer somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah. anyway, so... so. Warner is married to to Vivian. Elle is deeply upset about this because what you do when you're upset is you go and you get your nails done. She goes to get her nails done and the nail lady tells her to steal the bastard back. Yeah. Which leads us to point number three. Elle 
is in her room feeling sorry for herself, and she hears people. When Elle arrives at college, she has a full moving truck arrive to unload a massive amount of furniture. Oh and yeah, stuff. it would not physically it fit pulls in her door right up to the building. I know her. it's so ridiculous. And a crew of movers start to unload it, and that is where Vivian first sees her unloading all that crap. Is she there? She is there. Okay, they show a shot of her, and they're all just like, "What is?" happening right now <laughs> yeah. which is a valid response that is very valid but which again to me speaks to the obliviousness where it's like, how could she possibly think that all this stuff is gonna fit in a room the obliviousness of the wealthy and only wealthy californians right <laughs> who are used to having space <laughs> yeah well you know what that kind of makes sense you know what I'm pretty sure somewhere in the thing, if it's had a housing, it told her how big the room was. Oh, it must have. Also, why is she living in on-campus housing if she's rich? I mean, there's value in that. Yeah. Being part of social life. If you're trying to get into her headspace, that's probably a part of it. Yeah. But she's in her room on her purple bed, feeling sorry for herself, and she overhears people in the hallways talking about a party. Party! And so she... You know, wants to make friends. She pops out. She's like, so yo, she is there a party? Out. Yeah, this is like, this is the first time I've heard about something fun, essentially. And then guess who's throwing the party, Will? It's Vivian. So Vivian is like, she gets, you know, an evil glint in her eye. And it's like, you should come. It's a costume party. Yay. So then we see Elle show up at this not costume party wearing a pink Playboy bunny outfit. Which is like a pretty aggressive move. It is. Even for a costume party. Yeah. She looks great in it, though. So naturally, she stands up because everyone is just there in their turtlenecks. Yeah, very turtleneck-heavy film. It's a turtleneck party. Turtleneck and sweaters. That's the look of Harvard Law. I think it's the uniform. So she shows up. I like the idea that like it's like Hogwarts, where they send you a letter. They're like, you're going to be a student here. Here's how you have to dress. Go to this one street. Go to the one shop where there's a woman who sells sweaters. She'll fit you for sweaters. You'll wear them every day for the next three years. Get there early. She knits them all individually. The yeah. <laughs> Madame Malkin of Harvard sweaters. The, the economics of Hogwarts are amazing. They have no competition. There's one ice cream man. There is one robe shop. There is one wand shop. Every job in that universe, you are either a shop owner or you work for the government. Or you're a teacher. Right. That's it. Oh, let's not get into the economics of the Potter world because I could talk about it for a while. Why do they need money? Well, because you can't, if nothing else, you can't summon food. That's true. So... You can't, like, make food out of nowhere. So it maybe started as a food-based barter economy. You um, never should have left that. Well, I guess books. Maybe you can't yeah. just make books into existence. I feel like you could magically duplicate them. Probably. Which would lower the cost, but right. it wouldn't hmm. necessarily... They're probably still capitalists. They are in England. Or Scotland. Both. What a weird universe. <laughs> I know. Okay, like I said, we should move on because I have too many thoughts. She's at the party. She's dressed as a bunny. No one else is in costume. People make fun of her. She sees Warner, most importantly to our story. Yes. Uh, and he basically tells her that she's stupid. Yeah. She's continuing to ask, like, really, what are you doing here? How did you possibly get in here? Yeah. I actually wrote down the line that he says. No, I actually just wrote, Warner just straight up calls her dumb to her face. Yeah. And she points out, look, they took the same test. They're at the same school. What the heck? And she realizes then that she's never going to be good enough for him. Yeah. And so she's upset. And she goes immediately to the campus bookstore, which is open at this hour, and buys herself a computer, <laughs> well, still in the bunny costume. Yeah, which is a choice that she made. Because she, she could have gone, gone home. home and changed. But, Will, again, what time, time does it matter in this universe? What time of day is it? The one reference to time is when the judge calls recess and they will reconvene at nine the next morning. And what's weird is it's dark out when that happens. Yep. Um, 
great time's an illusion it doesn't exist in this world and she's sad and dressed as a bunny in line for a computer it's like an interstellar thing where we've just got matthew mcconaughey behind it all pushing books and changing what time it is oh so at this point the movie stops being about this at all because Elle decides that you know what she's not going to get with warner whatever Time to move on. I'm going to be a lawyer. To prove to herself and to everyone else that she yeah. is, in fact, smart. She does, in fact, belong there. She redoubles her efforts, committing to the law school stuff. She's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get the best internships. I'm going to get the best grades. I'm going to know what's going on. Yeah. And she takes all of Luke Wilson's advice so that she starts doing well in her classes. She's particularly getting along well with Professor Victor Garber, who is one of the more prestigious professors there. Yeah, he works at the big fancy law firm where there's like five names. And so she wants to get in with his internship because that's like the fancy one. Yeah. She gives him a resume. It's pink. It's scented. Again, a fairly aggressive move. It would stand out. That it would. (laughs) That's important for resumes. I feel like having it white paper but scented would be a good move because it's subtle. Mm -hmm. So they would notice something different. special about it. But it doesn't, it's not something they would ever think of. Oh, but... One thing that does happen, she sees Emmett in line when she's buying her computer in her bunny costume. Right. And this is where I wrote out in my notes for the first time, I think. So everyone's just cool with her having a dog everywhere. Yes. That was one of the biggest hurdles for me in this movie. It's wild to me. She brought her dog everywhere. And even the mean Professor Stromwell never comments on the fact that she has just a tiny little dog in class with her. I'm reminded of, there's a joke that John Mulaney did in his Kid Gorgeous tour that didn't go into the version that's on Netflix. Where he talked about for one year going to college with Ivanka Trump. And they were in a class together, and they had some presentation that was supposed to be due, and Ivanka was supposed to go first. And she shows up that day, looking a little bit distressed, and she goes, hey guys, I'm really sorry I was supposed to go first, but my dog was sick, so I was taking care of them. Like, would somebody else mind going first? And Melanie goes like, and at first I was like, oh, that's a bummer that your dog was sick. Like, yeah, of course I'll go. And then I was like, wait a minute, you're not allowed to have dogs here? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a Paris Hilton reference. Yes. And it's making fun of Paris Hilton for But you know what made fun of Paris everywhere. Hilton better? I mean, most other things. The Sweet Life. <laughs> That's what this podcast <laughs> and, is oh about Oh my god, now. yeah! Uh, London Tipton. What an actually great character. He was a great character. I loved London Tipton. I was about to say Ashley Tisdale, and then I was like, nope, wrong person. That's yeah. the actor. Um, Yeah, so this is like, in terms of our storyline... This is when she starts to actually get to know Emmett a little bit better. Right. She's seeing him around campus. He's encouraging her in class. He's the one that tells her to apply for the internship. Right. And this escalates even more when she does get the internship, which is right around where our fourth point starts. Right. So he vouches for her to Professor Callahan. Right. He's the one that sees potential in her. He's just like a general nice guy with not a lot of distinguishing characteristics. No, he doesn't get a ton of screen time. We don't see much of him except yeah. that he's looking out for L. Enough that, I mean, we'll talk about this later. It's like enough that it's just enough that you are semi-invested. I did not get enough. Like, it could have been more. But I kept like, forgetting he was in the movie. Yeah, it was definitely too little, but it was like they were trying to walk the line where you kind of cared, but... Also, it's like Luke Wilson, so he's so milk toast anyway that that was not working in their favor. I actually, we've talked a lot on this show about bad teachers in movies. Yeah. And in the classroom of the teachers, Victor Garber is by far the best of them, where he does a really good job of drawing his students into conversations about what they think. Yeah. And getting them to cite information. And I was really impressed with his teaching, which made me very disappointed in the end when he tried to get Elle to sleep with him to get ahead. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, Victor Garber, you're almost a good teacher. No, he's such a, he's actually really shitty. And you notice 
noticed that early on with how he always makes Vicky get the coffee. Vivian, yeah. Vivian. Who's Vicky is uh the is Meredith's mom in the parent trap. At some point I just completely changed her name in my notes to Vicky. Completely out of nowhere. And now I'm so confused. Um Yep. Great. Nope. Everywhere. From maybe from the beginning? Okay. Nope. Halfway through my notes, I just started calling her Vicky, and I'm very thrown off. Let's so, move forward. Elle is working on this case along with Vivian and also with Warner. And the lesbian. Yes. Whose only defining characteristic is that she's a lesbian. This movie has interesting stuff with homosexuality. <laughs> yeah. That is very 2001. Should we talk about that? Everything about it is just so bad, but it's so... That they identify that a dude is lying in court because he recognized Prada shoes. So therefore, he can't have been sleeping with the woman because he's clearly gay because yeah. gay men know brands. It's not good. That is bad. Also, the guys in the salon. The guys in the salon who know the bend and snap, which is yeah. a very weird thing that this movie stops to do for a while. Yeah. Um. I will say in terms of, I don't remember his name, the guy with the Prada shoes line, mm-hmm. he is wearing a sequined Our Lady of Guadalupe shirt. That's a great shirt. <laughs> and it's fantastic. But yeah, no, that's bad. The lesbian character, she's introduced as like a women's studies focused on combat or something. And she's just very aggressive feminist trope lesbian. It's not good. In contrast to Elle. In contrast to Elle, she's especially aggressive towards Elle. And then just dropped. Like, they bring her in as the fourth intern, which felt unnecessary because she we don't pay never to her talks. We don't know her as a character. I don't think she gives any other lines. I don't know why they didn't just make it three interns. Yeah. Unless they cut some stuff. Possibly. Yeah. But if we're looking romantically, one of the biggest things that happens is Elle is meeting with Victor Garber at one point, And he's like, you're very impressive. You're doing great work on the case. And then he, like, puts his hand on her leg and kind of makes it clear like he'll help her along if she has sex with him yeah and she's like no forget that that's unacceptable yeah go away oh but before that we have seen like emmett and l in terms of their relationship emmett and l go to the spa together right she calls him a butthead at one point and he's like what no one's called me that since the ninth grade and it's very which is off. wild and they're just like very yeah i mean i've called will a butthead like last week right and they're just like you know getting some banter in there but most of the rest of the movie is about the case. Right. So the, Which we don't care about. We don't really care about It's not romance. Not romance. Um, the big thing that happens there is Victor Garber won't take her advice. And so she is brought on as the new attorney, despite the fact that she's not a p- yeah. member of the bar. Oh, in terms of their relationship, too, after Garber feels her up, one, Vivian gets mad. Because, because she Vivian sees it. sees it and thinks that that's how Elle has been moving up. Yeah, but... Instead, what happens is Elle yells at him, runs away, and is planning on quitting before Emmett, like, gives her reassurance and convinces her to stay. Yeah, she's ready to quit and possibly to leave law school. Yeah. And he's like, no, do it. And so then when the client is like, you know what, Elle knows what's up, I want her to represent me, Emmett sponsors her as a member of the bar who supports her to allow her to practice. Yeah, because as a law student, you're allowed to represent someone if you have, like, a licensed attorney advising your advisor. So Um, he supports her there, too. And L winds up winning the case. So this brings us to point number five, which will be very short. I can summarize it in very few words. L wins the case. Warner tries to get back with her. She says no. And then he tells her she's brilliant and he was wrong and she's the girl for him and he loves her. She tells him she needs a boyfriend who's not a complete bonehead. Should have said butthead. Should have said butthead. Yep. And then that brings us to graduation where we find out in two year title, two year jump. And then they do the classic, like, 
after the movie, you get a shot of their face, and then it says, like, after this, blah, 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 did blah, blah, blah. And we find out, like, Warner graduated, like, bottom of his class and doesn't have a job offer. Mickey is now, or Vivian, I don't know where this came from. Vivian is now Elle's best friend. And then Emmett and Elle have been dating for two years, and he plans on proposing tonight. That's an interesting thing to me, because the way the movie ends like that makes it seem like that's what the movie has been about. Yeah. Despite the fact that we haven't really talked about him. Yeah. And I was struck by that, and I was as I was looking into the movie, I discovered that that was not the original ending of the movie. Really? Originally, the movie just ended after the trial. Yeah, which would have made sense. They win the trial, that's what the movie becomes about in its second yeah. half. And at the end of the movie, everyone would be congratulating Elle, and then Emmett would come up and give her a big kiss. Right there. Which I think would be a lot. I think that would be a lot. I really think that they don't need Emmett And then there all. was going to be a, a final scene where they also had a future shift, but it would be her and with a now blonde Vivian, who have started something called the Blonde Legal Defense Quad. Okay. Excuse me, the Blonde Legal Defense Fund. I'm picturing it, and I think the reason they cut that one is Selma Blair would probably, they probably, like, put a wig on her and like, nope, because I do not think Selma Blair would look great as a blonde. Yeah, and again, this is from the writer, and she said, the test screening audience didn't feel like it was an exciting enough ending for her success-wise. The kiss made it seem like it was a rom-com. They knew that this was not a movie about a girl getting a guy. Right. Which kind of bums me out, because I feel like at the very end of the movie, they're kind of saying that it was a little bit. Yeah. Like, it starts off with a proposal, she thinks, and then it ends with a proposal. So it ends yeah. right. But it does say that she goes on to become, like, a successful lawyer, too. A sea lawyer, as we discover in Legally Blonde 3. Four. Four, Yes. Legally Blonde 3 is the burning sorority house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> Legally Blonde 3, Firehouse. <laughs> um, Hollywood, call me. All right. Um, so after going through Elle's journey here, do you find the romance of it all believable? Um, I mean, in terms of Ellen Warner, yes. In terms of Ellen Emmett, who is Emmett? Who is Emmett? Yeah. I don't understand his role. Is he a hot TA? Because, like, that adds so. a level of believability. I but think he's so. also. But a it also makes me not lawyer. love it. Yeah. I, how old is Emmett? Who can say? Because he's been through law school. Time is not this movie's strong suit. <laughs> Again, I don't understand. Legally Blonde 5, A Twist in Time. <laughs> it's like the uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the Legally Blonde universe, where it shows that we've actually been watching four movies of scenes out of sequence, and they have to go back and reorder everything. Okay. Who is Emmett? What is time? So... I'm over it. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, um, I feel like we see so little of it. Yeah. And also, like, the romance of it is completely off screen. Yeah. It's just like, in two years, they're like, ah, this happened. Believe us. Yeah. Um, so I do mean, you believe them? Like, I feel like we can't rate this. I can't object to it because there's nothing to object to. I feel like we should just not rate this movie. Yeah. I guess, like, they're two decently attractive lawyers. Yeah. You gotta put the Warner in stuff Boston. in, too. Yeah. If you stick the Warner stuff in, that feels believable because he's a dick who would definitely want to date Except her. the law school stuff has to be a part of it because that's part of her romantic quest. Yeah. No, but I mean like, and then he breaks up with her and they yeah. meet at law school and he's still a dick and then she realizes she's better than him. Yeah. That journey feels believable. I just think that the chasing part, which is part of that, yeah. is less believable. Yeah. So where are you going to rate this? In terms of that, probably like a five. Yeah, that seems about right. Out of yeah. ten. Yeah. All right. Um, do you think that Elle and Emmett are dateable? And we can throw Warner in there, too. Oh, sure. Is Warner dateable? No. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we threw him in then. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> wanted to throw in. He is not. Okay. What um, about Emmett? Emmett? 
I don't think he's a person. He's just so, like, there's just so little about him. He's a dude who just hangs out on benches giving out advice about how to deal with different professors. Yeah, that sounds like a nice thing. How many people has he done that to? Only the blonde ones. Mm, So just her, because there are no other blondes. (laughs) There's no other blondes at Harvard. I think they get a letter delivered by Owl that says, here's your uniform. It is a (laughs) turtleneck and sweater. And number two, you have to have brown hair. From Alexander Argyle's Sweater Emporium. Yep. Uh, <laughs> why is... I how is that the, movie. Yeah. Um, what about Elle? Um, I mean, it's, like, not for me. I'm a no. I think she's too much. Yes. She's just generally too much. You don't realize that dog is gonna be with you all the time, too. I know. <laughs> it's cute enough. Uh, a little dog is too small and weird. My favorite thing is when she and Vivian were talking and it was like halfway through the conversation where she just notices the dog. And I was just like, how have you not noticed this dog that has been everywhere for this entire time you're at law school? It's wild. It's even in the courtroom at one point, I think. Yes, the dog is in the courtroom. It's a little like bag dog. Yeah. It's too big for a purse, but it's a bag dog. Yeah. All right. If you did have to date one person in the movie, who would it be? Um, the judge. <laughs> the judge is great. The judge is great. I like the judge. That's a good answer. I did not have an answer. I probably Vivian, to be honest. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, she's pretty great. She's defensive of her man at first, but learns that not every blonde is mean. Right. Um. She does throw parties. She does throw parties. She is actually the only one she's established the one. that has fun. Yeah. In this movie, but she is fun and studious and. Like I said earlier, she knows who she is and she lives that life. Yeah, she wears those turtlenecks. Yeah. One thing I do appreciate about the movie and their treatment of Vivian is she and Elle become best friends. But there's no, like, makeover scene or anything where she's like, Vivian, you should dress better. Vivian just continues to wear her turtlenecks all the time. It's great. And that's a good touch. Yeah. Because Vivian must have some... I'm picturing, like, the girl with the ribbon tied around her neck situation where if she wasn't wearing a turtleneck, her head would literally just, like, roll off onto the ground. So is Vivian the nearly headless Nick of this weird Hogwarts? (laughs) Yeah. Hogwarts. Harvorts. Alright, uh, do you think Elle and Emmett would stay together? Sure! Emmett's not a person! Why not? Uh, okay. Uh, That's definitely the only answer is like, why not? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, I haven't seen the second one. Um, yeah, me neither. Okay. Maybe well, I have. That probably does it for this enough. movie. Yeah, I think so. Uh, next week, we have a listener-recommended movie. That's right. We're going to be looking at another Renee Zellweger movie. Giving you that leg tent. <laughs> that leg tent coming fast and fresh. Uh, we're going to be discussing worst... Down With Love. Leg tent is the worst thing I've ever given to this world, and I think it will be my it's legacy. It's the best. If you haven't seen the leg tent graphic on our social media, <laughs> you should check it out. Uh, this was a suggestion by listener Christina, and we're very excited about it. Yeah. I have literally no idea what this movie is about. I read a piece about it in the AV Club. Caroline Side has a really awesome column called When Rom Met Com, where every week she talks through the making of and also the ideas of a different rom-com. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Uh, I've shared it on our social media before. She's awesome. Yeah. But anyway, until then, of course, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness. And, of course, much like Christina, you could email us questions or movie suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show because it really helps other people discover what we're doing here. Yeah. Last question. What is the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? Obviously, it's sit on a bench and dole out advice. (laughs) That's like the Forrest Gump dating advice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it works for Emmett. I was going to say hang out in the bookstore checkout line. That works too.
just chat up anyone that shows up in costume for some reason. Who among us has not been to a bookstore in costume? I think I have. The years of Harry Potter book releases? Which I never actually got to go to because my parents were strict. You missed out. They were awesome. My mom was like, it's past your bedtime and we can buy them at Costco for cheaper. I think I bought all of the Harry Potter books at Costco because like every bookstore sold out the day after, but no one thinks to go to Costco. They always had tons of them. Yeah. Shelves. Costco doesn't have shelves. Tables. tables, Yeah. Um... There you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm Ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye? How did we talk about so much Harry Potter in this episode, Will? Who knows? Bye! Bye!